Regardless of how we find ourselves in the world of divorce, the one thing we have complete control over is how we behave from here on out. We have two choices. One is to remain stuck in the stories, the anger and pain. And the other is to take a breath, adjust our sail to the wind, and work harder than ever before to create a new story for our children, for ourselves, and for the world around us. It's your choice, your work, but I'll be in your corner. Welcome to In Your Corner Divorce Podcast. My name is Carly Israel, and I am your host. Today, I have the privilege of talking with one of my absolute favorite humans on earth, Nikki. Hello, Nikki. Hey. Nikki, how long have we known each other? Um, I would say almost 20 years. Yes. Like 19. And, 19. Yeah. And Nikki and I, um, we only were physically together for about a year when I lived in Boston. And we connected super well, and we have been friends and in each other's lives, coaching and pushing and being there for each other ever since. Um, she got married a week after me yeah. on her parents' anniversary. Like, I got married on my parents' anniversary. Tell me what you told me, because my parents were mad that um, when I got a divorce, that now their anniversary date was stained. Tell me what you told your parents about their anniversary date. I told them that they, could, they were going to get it back. <laughs> Completely. So I gave them back their anniversary date. Right. I started dating my current partner on the same day. Oh, that's that's special. So yeah. let me just give you a little background and then Nikki's going to take it away. So Nikki and I connected. Uh, we married very similar men. We're, Nikki yeah. and I are very intense, strong, assertive, loud, controlling, bossy, fun, silly women. And the men we both married are very... Um, how would you describe it in a very positive way? Um, I think like we both married people that were, and I'll say this is, I'll say this in a loving way. We're like, they'd rather go with the flow of somebody else's yes. decision making. Yes. Yes. And, that's, and not, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Right. I almost thought of it like, and this is again, not a bad thing. People always get so mad when I talk about this. I felt like my, my first husband was like a beautiful glass vase that allowed me to grow like an orchid, but there was no interaction of soil, water for nothing. Like I was just, I was allowed to do whatever I wanted, but I was so alone. Yes, exactly. And I think that there's such a difference between letting somebody grow and do because you believe in them and letting someone grow and do because you don't feel like dealing with them. Cause we're exhausted. <laughs> Exhausting. Yeah. So, um, tell me about your marriage. So, you know, I, I got married a week after you, as you know, and I feel like our whole lives have kind of been like, you know, you go first, Carly, I'm coming. <laughs> so tell me how the waters are. Yeah, and you benefited from that because you've done things better when I do them poorly. I, I get to learn from your lessons and, um, you know, I don't always take the advice or, or follow the direction, but I get to watch and um, you walk through things really beautifully, I have to say. So uh, I got married and I, I kind of really like I want there's a lot of things about my ex-husband that are really amazing like that checked a lot of boxes of what I was looking for and he's he is a really kind person he is genuinely a very kind person um and I got married in our marriage you know we started a business together and I helped grow that business for eight years um we um, a lot of our marriage was around work I have to say, and it was a really successful project of ours, but he hated it. So that made it really hard. And Why did he hate it? Yeah, I mean, I won't speak for him, but he, he, we just had different goals and we were excited about different successes and it just, it. he didn't think it was what he wanted. And that's, that's fine. Um, it's not a, it's not a negative fault of his or a fault at all. It's you just cause issues in your relationship. So it caused a lot of issues because what would happen with having a family business, which is a very, very wonderful thing because there, there still is very few people I trust. Like I trust my first husband. I mean, I trust that he's never trying to like, he might do things I don't like. Uh, and like, 
there's a lot of that, but it's never because his intention is bad. It's just like, we're seeing things very differently or he doesn't want to do certain efforts that I'd prefer him to do. But it's, um, I do trust him. So like having a family business with him that, you know, was a great thing because I, I um, could trust him with it and he could trust me with it. Um, but it caused a lot of problems because it meant that, um, you know, there was no maternity leave. <laughs> like if I wasn't doing something, it meant that he had to, and both being the partners in the same house and then at work was really challenging, um, you know, long-term for us. And then, you know, he just didn't like it. So then that causes a lot of problems because, you know, um, you know, and I'll, I'll own this, but like I was putting in all this blood, sweat and tears and sweat equity into this, but our business was such that I couldn't just do it without him. Like I needed him. So he couldn't just walk away. He could just walk away, which is what he ended up doing before we got divorced. But once he walked away, it meant that was over for me too, which was a painful realization for me. Right. Tell me about the because we're echoing. Oh yeah. Sorry. So is this better? Yes. Tell me about the issues in your marriage. Yeah. So the issues in our marriage were, um, if I wanted something done, I felt now, whether this was on me or not, I felt like I had to do it. And I was feeling like I was going to be carrying the weight of this family on my shoulders forever by myself. And I also, um, didn't have, uh, I didn't feel like I had a partner and I didn't like the way I was a partner. Like the issue that you just said, um, I always tell people this yesterday. I was telling someone this about um, someone's marriage and they're like, well, that's her side. I don't know what his side is. And I said, well, there's three sides to every story. And she said, what do you mean? I said, it's her side, his side and the truth. And everyone's got their own version. And what Nikki's doing today is talking about her version and that doesn't diminish her ex-husband's version, um, but it's your experience. And I got to tell you, doing this work for a while now, I hear both sides and where you are saying you felt like you had to do everything. And if you didn't do it, it wasn't going to get done. That's exactly how I felt. And I feel like if we interviewed our ex-husbands, they would feel like she was always asking me to do things that I, and I was never doing, I could never do it right, or I could never do it enough. And so what's interesting about marriages and partnerships that we both all want to work is we've got these two feelings and if the two people are not talking about how they're feeling to each other then they can't ever get together and find a way through it because you're not going to change your personality i'm not going to change mine i'm someone who wants stuff done and wants it done now like my current husband i love him massively and he's so strong in so many areas, he is not capable of getting things done in the time frame I would like them to be done for. And so the struggle I've had with that and the acceptance I found is I cannot depend on him for those things. And it's not a mean thing. It's just like, this is who he is. I love him. He's awesome in all these areas. And if I want it done, I'm not going to be mad at him for not doing it anymore because I need to accept that's someone who can't do it. Yeah. And I think like, I mean, you and I have had these conversations for probably 15 years at this point where, you know, having expectations of somebody um, that they're consistently showing you they're not going to meet. And then you get a mad. It's delusional, right? It's like, so I had consistently, I felt disappointed because I was expecting stuff of him, whether it was like a way he would express himself or him to do something or him to be how to be in a certain way where, you know, it was never like remembering certain birthday things or whatever it is. And they weren't happening. Now that's not on him because like he was consistent in his behavior. However, What was on me was I could, I was always excited. Then I was always disappointed. And then I was angry and I wasn't kind and I didn't like who I was as a partner. And I didn't like how I felt about myself by the end of my relationship. Yeah. So what I want to ask you or talk about with that is what I found out for me, because I'm never really going to have someone that's going to do everything the way I want them to, because I'm not going to marry an assistant and (laughs) I couldn't even make an assistant that was as good as what I wanted anyways. But with my husband today, the reason why I don't feel lonely and depleted 
is because he's filling so many other of my needs in the areas that I wasn't getting filled in my marriage. So like, obviously nobody can fulfill your needs, but like in terms of like connection and sexual and intimate and emotional availability, because I'm getting that in my current relationship, when he's not able to do the things I wish he could do, like an assistant, I don't feel sad because he's so awesome in all these other areas. And I think for me and you, and I don't want to speak for you, I want to ask you with our first marriages, they were not able to show up in like the basic ways we needed them to as, as partners for the life we wanted. And they were not emotionally available or physically available or sexually available. So it felt like so empty. Did you experience that? Yeah. I mean, completely not emotionally available. And I mean, I, I don't know if that's because um, it's hard when somebody's constantly disappointed or feeling like, um, like it, it's hard to tell where like emotionally unavailable meets just stubborn now because that's what you want. And like, you know, our communication was just really, really, really not there in a way um, that felt kind to, to him or to me. And I was just constantly disappointed, um, you know, based on my own expectations then, but also what I would want in a partner now or anyone, you know, a friend in my life. Yes. And so, you know, it, it went, it, we got to a point where like, I'm sure um, I could have stuck it out, which was like, you know, what people say like, oh, you know, you just stick it out or like do right. more like, I was looking at it almost like time, like prison time. Like I could do, I could do another 17 years. Like, and it's almost funny when you see people that are married a long time, you're like, wow, you guys lasted 50 years or whatever. And if they're not a happy couple, they're just like, yeah, I made it. And I'm like, I don't want to make it. Like, I want to celebrate it. it. Right. Like, yeah, I, I want to celebrate it. And I really thought I listened, I did a ton of research and I found that um, the parents that stay together for the kids, I'm air quoting, you can't see it because it's total bullshit um, because it ends up not being for the kids what what happened was the last kid that they had in the house and the second they went to college parents went for a divorce and then the kids look back and they're like what was my whole life was that all a lie like yeah and I didn't want to do that to them no and I you know to I don't know if we're going there yet but like to talk about for the kids like I I didn't like what was going on in my house like all of these um these uh expectations that weren't met, all these feelings of super lonely, no one on, like, I didn't understand what he needed. He didn't understand what I needed, did create so much tension that I knew pretty quickly uh, that, and my kids were really little when I got a divorce, I, I knew that, like, this was not the environment I wanted them growing up in. Or the love story. Yeah, I wanted them to have love story. I mean, my parents have a really happy marriage. They've yeah. been, you know, they're, they're truly have a beautiful marriage. And so even though like, I haven't, like when I was a kid, I didn't get that. Like there was also like, there was normal amount of fighting in my house. There was making up in my house, but it wasn't like what was happening in the four walls of like my house currently with my new, with my family that I had at the time. And so I just, I didn't feel good about it. I would have been embarrassed if someone had a video camera watching yeah. the conversations between Attention. my ex-husband and me. Yeah. Tell I mean, me, it did anybody wasn't start pretty. like having conversations about like, this isn't working or did you go to therapy? Like, what did you guys do to try to make it work? Yeah. So we tried like a touch of therapy. I would say not a ton. We, we, we were trying to work it through. Um, my ex-husband, as I talked about our business, he decided he was really, really depressed. I, I mean, or he felt really, really depressed. He didn't decide he was really depressed, but he did not like his job. Like I put air quotes on that because you can't see, but like it was in my mind, nothing to do with the job. It was, you know, it's always, an, it's never the outside stuff that- That's that what I thought too. We literally had the same thing. Mine was working 14 hours a day at a job that was supposed to make a lot of money. And I remember saying to him, what is the amount of money that you need to make in order to justify our family not being together? And when he switched down to a job that I encouraged him to switch down to because I wanted him to be happy, I thought when he leaves this horrible job that we're going to be okay. And then when you take away the outside thing that you think it is, what you find out is that the core is not okay. Right. And so that's exactly what happened. So I encouraged him to leave. I said, look, like I'm an earner. I've always been an earner, even though I was 
like behind the scenes of this business growth, like I grew the business, um, you know, he was a part of it too, but I knew that I'd be fine and um, we'd be fine. But I knew if he stayed doing something that he thought I was making him do, or he had to do for me, it would never work. So my like last Hail, Hail Mary pass or whatever you call it was like, look, if you're that unhappy with your job and you think that's truly what it is, then leave. No problem. Take some time, be with the kids. I will go get a job and work. And um, like, for, not for us, but in my own capacity. And I was not, I mean, I truly say this, like I w- and I mean it, I was not resentful about that, that he was saying like to our family business, forget it, it's done. I'm just, we're closing the doors, I'm leaving. I um, truly felt like I was doing something that would save our family. And that's really I was, a blessing. Could you imagine having to deal with that in your divorce? No, no. What? I mean, it, <laughs> that would have been a whole, yeah, it, it all worked out. So I, um, and I got really lucky because um, the way my industry is, you know, if I had gone and applied for jobs, typically at that moment, it would have looked like I had worked for my husband for 10 years. And right. People wouldn't have known what I had done, but someone right. that I worked with, and um, grew business through, um, said to me the year before, two years before, like, I want you to come work for me. And I was like, you know, we kind of laughed about it. I was like, I work with my husband, like, I can't leave, you know. Right. But the minute he found out that that my ex-husband was leaving the business, he called me and he's like, okay, now can we get a coffee? So it worked out for me. I, and I for absolutely- the listeners, Nikki kicks ass at work. So <laughs> Thank is, you. She's a beast. So tell me, job is he's changed his job you're at home you're working what is still the problem what's not working yeah so you know then it was really interesting because now we can really see like what's going on without the like clothes around it essentially you know like no no um no fancy any overing of it like it's the job and what happened was is i went to work and you know i was new to a job that was very that is demanding but I was, you know, really proving, trying to, to grow something and, um, you know, earn my stripes. And so I was working a lot of evenings. I was working during the day and he could not believe all of a sudden, and we had a nanny, mind you, but he couldn't believe that I was out working so much. And then that became the problem. Then it was, you're always working. And I'm like, well, I'm always working because we made this decision because you were so unhappy with your job that I'm going to support the family right now. And, you know, it was a real tell for me at that moment that it wasn't about, um, it, there was not, you know, and I, I, I don't, I don't know that that describes why it was so not going to work. How for was me, your intimate I, life? I mean, we, I don't know if I can talk about that on your in respect to his new partner, but yeah. that had always been okay. Yeah. Um, but what I would So that wasn't it, one of your problems. No, I mean, I didn't, it, there was so much other stuff that felt so disconnected to me. Yeah. Like he was very, like, I'm very like, if I get an idea, I want to do it. I want to like do it hundred percent. I'm super excited about it. Like yeah. I've never had one of anything. I always have to have all of it. Like, yeah. so, you know, I had a lot of like passion projects. Now I have this career that I'm building and, you know, sex or not, or any of that, like we weren't even connecting on a base level of like being able to have like a cup of coffee together in the morning without it being totally loaded with all this other BS. Because you're both resentful at each other. So resentful, so much garbage in our block in our hallways yeah. from each other. And like, any sort of unpacking or trying to do work was always like, well, you need to do that. Well, you need to do that. And it's like, well, why don't we just each take responsibility for our own piece and try to clear that out and then see if we can move on together. And we just couldn't get there in a way that we, we just couldn't get there. We really so couldn't. Did you guys, I, did either of you guys talk about wanting to leave during the process of leaving? No. So we really like, you know, like I said in the beginning, like um, my ex-husband like always will take the path of least resistance. Um, you know, so the idea of getting a divorce, I don't know if he thought about it. He may have, um, but he never talked about it. And I actually didn't really think divorce was an option. 
like in my mind, like my parents are very happily married for years. I didn't, I mean, I, I knew you, you were getting a divorce or I don't remember where you were in the process, but I didn't really know people who were divorced. I didn't know how it would work financially. I didn't know how it would work with our kids. Um, I didn't know what it would look like in life. And so I just was like, you know, this isn't an option. Also, it wasn't so bad, right? Like I could have, it was not so bad, but it was not good either. Right. And so there's that moment where I was like, you know, do I just, is this what it is? Like, it's just, my life is just not so Were bad. You happy? Like, so I, the other piece that really flagged me that it was time for a divorce was that I was really, really happy when I was working. I was happy when I was with my kids on my own. I was happy in my fundraising efforts. I was happy in my, you know, taking care of myself, working out efforts in those communities. I was happy, like truly happy, but not when I was everywhere else, but when I was with my ex-husband and it was so suffocating to me. I'm sure he felt the same way. I mean, we did not go places together. We would do things separately. You You weren't a team. We were not a team. We were like lived in the same house. We had kids together. And, um, we just could not, Do you we think you both a lot of love? I mean, I, I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't know. I think that a lot of these problems were problems that we probably always had well before. Um, I think these problems were problems that were always there. Um, but I do think, it, so I don't know what our love really looked like in the beginning. Yeah. You know, I can't recall that, but, um, and also I can't separate what our love looked like versus like what I wanted when I got yeah. married. Yeah. So, um, you know, with all of these, like I kind of just built my own life because I was saying, I'm not going to expect anything. I'm just going right. to keep going. We, and I'm both did that. we had these like gratitude lists. Like whenever we would get upset, we would like be, write all the things we're grateful about. And then we would force ourselves to focus on all the good things, which is great. And then just try to keep accepting and accepting, accepting. And what ended up happening to me is I had to accept so much about what wasn't there anymore that my heart was like a garage door that kept closing and closing and closing. And by the time I could stay and stay in my life, I had to close the garage door of my heart on my marriage so much that I felt no more. I still loved him as a human, but I no longer was in love with him because in order for me to be in love with him and accept that I didn't feel wanted and I felt neglected and I felt alone and I felt just on my own, it would have broken my heart. So I had to shut my heart in order to accept it. And then I kind of got to a place where I'm like, this is not what I want. No. And it wasn't how I wanted to be. Like, I am typically a nice person. Like, I really love people in general. Like, I am in, you know, my job is in sales. Like, I I genuinely am curious about people. I want to hear their stories, their life. Like, I really like most people. And I would go out in the world and be like this nice, normal person. And at home, I'd be like a total asshole because I was so disappointed and angry that I was stuck in this situation. Yeah. And, you know, that didn't feel good to me. And I knew that um, the decisions I was making, the people I was spending time with, like, it wasn't, my whole marriage was just like, it was like this thing that I had to go home to, but it was like, it didn't feel like home anymore. To it me. didn't match up with who you were. No. So tell me, take me through the end and how you guys got through the legal process and the everything. Yeah. So I was um, on a walk with one of my girlfriends um, here and um, we were talking about some of the issues that I had. And she finally said to me, like, she was like, Hey, you know, it's okay if you get a divorce. And I was like, what? And she's like, yeah, it's okay if you get a divorce. Like, people get divorced all the time, Nikki. Like, you, like that's, like, actually an option. And I kind of was like, I, I, I instantly, like, shut it down, like, verbally, because I was like, I don't think that's an option for me. But yeah. it planted a seed in me that I was thinking about. And I would love, like, I did not want to fight. I wanted to, like, get divorced to stop fighting. And I also didn't want to hurt my ex-husband and I didn't want him to hurt me and I didn't want to hurt our children. And so I was, but I was really struggling with it. I was getting therapy on my own at this point. And one day I was driving in the car and all of a sudden this idea comes to me and it was like, what if we get a divorce 
and we don't need to fight through it and we can be friends. And on the other side of it, we can just go ahead and parent our kids and like be people who were married, but now we're just parents, you know? And I'm like, that thought came in my mind. And then I started thinking through logistics. Like what is that? First of all, the opening came, that friend planted a seed of a different option you had literally not considered. And then you shut it down, which is exactly what happened to me. And then you started realizing, hmm, what would that look like? And instead of it being like, what if it's the worst possible thing and it's so exhausting and it's so expensive and we hate each other and the kids are all messed up. What if, like the question um, from one of these books that I love so much about the five things you must learn before you die is instead of saying what's the worst thing that can happen, you say what's the best thing that can happen. And you chose that route what is the best case scenario? And then you use your tools to figure out the logistics to present to the person who's pretty open to whatever you tell them to do. Yeah. And that's the, you know, that's the, that's where Jeff like saved me, you know, and that's where all of the things about him that were driving me crazy became an awesome thing, became an awesome asset and blessing. And also because I genuinely care about him and I always will. I mean, he's the father of my children and we, we now have a a different relationship, which we're going to get to. Yes. (laughs) Which we'll get to, but I knew I wouldn't ever want to screw him. Like that was not my intention. Like I wanted us to be able to get a divorce, both be okay, whatever that looks like and move on. Because I was like, look, the things that are driving me crazy about this man are things that somebody else is going to appreciate. And like, same about you, the things that you feel like you have to apologize for all the time. Someone's going to be so attracted to because that that's the right person for you. And you know, what you're about to, to share with everyone is a North star divorce, like making the choice. I heard that I interviewed a woman the other day and she said, if your intention is to win in your divorce, then the people who lose are your children. So if you're going after how much can I get, I want to, like, when I hear somebody, whether it's a man or a woman say, I want the, the best lawyer to, you know, get everything I possibly can, that person does not consider their children. Yeah. And I had to decide what winning looks like for me. Winning looks yes. like we both leave and we're good and we're okay. okay and stop. Like, Say that again. What does winning look like for yeah. you? What does winning look like for me? What does successful divorce look like for me? So tell and me, like, what does winning look like for you? So at the time, and this is still true, I would say winning looks like we both leave the situation or our marriage, the situation, right. um, <laughs> the situation. and we are okay. Like financially, um, we're, we're fine that no one is so angry that we can't move on and parent our kids, that our kids are getting 50% of their time for us with each of us, that we can communicate, that we can, um, not like my family doesn't hate him. I don't know how his family feels about me, but it's none of my business. Um, that our friends or people in our community don't feel like they have to pick a side. That was really important to, to me and to Jeff about it. And that we could just make this a decision, sort it through, and then move on. Like, be free. Right. And And figure out how to, and I just recently talked about this because someone gave me the perspective of this and it's been really helpful for me. And it's only possible after you do the work, which is like what I do with my clients to get rid of their junk. But think of it as you and Jeff and me and my ex, as we own a business together. And our business is raising these kids to become awesome humans. And again, what awesome humans looks like to us might look differently to you or to someone else, but the two of us have to agree on what that looks like. And we get to together focus on how we make our business as successful as possible. And I cannot be in a successful business relationship if I'm so stuck on the things that he didn't do or the things that he did or how I was hurt. Like, if you don't walk through and work through that junk, then you're always going to bring up that stuff. Yeah. And that's like, I mean, just through our friendship, that's what you've always helped me with. Like, what's your part in it? What work do you need to do on yourself? Because after I made the decision and I, I truly like had that moment in the car where I'm like, what if we do this and we're friends, you know, which is so like Pollyanna-ish or whatever. But 
once I made that decision that winning to me was that we were both okay and our kids had 50% of time with both parents, which I, for, for me, like, I believe that's really important for my children. Um, and that we could just both move on and be free. Once I made that decision, it meant that money was not my objective. It meant taking stuff wasn't my objective. I also really know my ex-husband well enough to know the things that are his triggers to be really uh, invoke fear in him. So I knew I could ease those fears from the beginning because if it meant we're doing Thanksgiving together because right. like he has a different style family than I have. Like then I, he was going to be invited to every holiday I ever so have. From that have car ride, what happened from that car ride? Did you call him? Did you talk to him that night? What did you do? So from that car ride, like I started to really um, think about this over and over again, like, and I was praying about it, like, how do I do this? Right. And then I don't remember the exact time frame, but we had a week and it was so this whole thing is like, I do remember well, is that we had a week where my parents took our kids to, to spend the week with them. It was the summer. And Jeff and I were going to go meet them for five days after. And during that week, we had no children at our house and we did not spend one night together. Like, you know, and I was about to leave, like pack up the car and go. And I started to cry because, um, it was like, we were leaving Saturday morning. This was Friday night because in my mind, I'm like, I am going on vacation with the wrong person. Mm. And this is like, I just can't fake it anymore because right. faking it has such a cost. It looks like without the kids, because that's what's going to happen is one day, God willing, your kids are going to grow up and leave. And then you're going to be alone with this person who you guys can't even spend a week together with. We can't have a cup of coffee together anymore. Yeah. So I went home and I was like, you know, um, nervous, but I also felt at peace that this was our best option. And I also knew that if I presented it in the right way and not in a litigious way, that there was a shot because my ex-husband is open to my ideas, whether, you know, he likes them or not, he's sometimes willing um, to, to go along with them. So I said to him, look, I don't, know what we're going to do, but like, I think we should get a divorce. I think we can do it in a way where I've like, you know, and I thought I had like everything figured out. In my Was mind this the already. first time you'd said those words to him? Yeah, I believe so. How did he take that? Well, you know, it was interesting because like, because of like what I wanted from from him, you know, all those years was for somebody to be like, I love you so much. Like you mean the world to me, all of that, like, and that never was happening. So, you know, he would say, if I said like, Oh, you need, like, I wish you would tell me you love me. He'd be like, his response was always. And for years, like, even if I told you, I love you, like literally from waking up in the morning till night, it would never be enough instead of just saying, I love you. Right. So, okay. So that, you know, I felt bad about my neediness and that, but in this moment of telling him that, I think, that, Okay. I don't want you to feel bad about your neediness in that. Okay. I, I see this a lot with couples and one couple, they need to feel loved. And one of the ways they're asking to feel loved is by being told that they're being loved, you know, that I love you. What's unfair is asking Jeff or anyone who does not verbally use those words on a regular basis to use them when it feels forced. So that's unfair to him. What's unfair to you is wanting to feel loved and not feeling loved. And what I'm guessing you didn't know at the time is that you didn't actually need the word, you needed the action. Because me and you are women of action. Yes. And so I imagine if you were feeling the love and attention and connection in other ways, you wouldn't have even needed the words. And so I never want to apologize for what either partner needs. Like, it's okay that he's not a person that says that all the time. And it's okay that you're someone who wants to feel that because every single human deserves to feel the kind of love that they need. And so we're no longer going to apologize for needing that. That's very similar. What happened to me was I wanted more of him. I wanted more, please. I want more of you. I want to connect. I want physical. I want words. And he wanted me to want less. He wanted less of me. Right. Yeah. 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 I remember sitting there having one of our many conversations where I said out loud, I want more of you and you want less of me. I want more of you and you want less Carly. And he's like, yeah. And I remember like a tear rolling down my cheek and, and saying, 
I worked my ass off for the last 15, 16 years to get to a place where I, I'm okay with Carly as is, which is big. It's a big car. Like it's a big thing. And I'm no longer going to be less me in order to make someone else feel comfortable. Yep. And I would I rather agree. be alone and be big and intense and all of it than be in a place where I have to feel like I have to apologize for wanting something. Yeah. And I mean, and based on that exact thing, like I'm at that moment, I'm still like, I'm really proud of like my life I live and who yes. I am in this world. And I'm proud of my friendships and um, my accomplishments and the goals I have and the habits I try to do. And like, I don't want to small that. Yes. Or diminish that. And I so, like small that. I don't want to small I that. Don't small that. So from so, that discussion, what happened? Yeah. So we had that discussion. And instead of him saying, no, no, like, let's stay together and try to work it out. He was like, all right, if that's what you want. Literally, that's like what he said, which is we w I haven't talked to him about that conversation in a long time, or I don't know if we've ever revisited it. But it's so that is a good sign that we needed a divorce. So we yeah. had we did have plans for that night because we had been alone all week. And so he said, so like, now what do we do? And I'm like, I don't know, let's go out to dinner and talk about it. So it was, and I don't know that this could happen for anyone Everyone. else or whatever, but it was this massive relief because I was ready to roll out, you know, cause like roll out what I thought we could do to get divorced. He was willing to listen. We went out and had dinner. We went to this restaurant that we always went to. We had like a bunch of laughs. The pressure was like, it was like the pressure was off and we were going to figure it out. And it felt really, really good because I'm sure he didn't want to be married to me either at all. Right? Like what a relief. And so we go out to dinner. We talk about it. We drive to my parents' house the next day, like four and a half hours away. And he is like, how are we going to handle this, this weekend? I said, well, we'll just stay for two days or one day. We're not going to stay for five. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm going to talk to my parents about it. And so I went for a walk with my parents. Okay. Pause. What did you hear from me before you talked to your parents based out of my experience? I think you said, tell them you don't want anyone's feedback. Right. So just to give the listeners a little bit of background, I had already, when was this for you? 2015, 2016? Yeah, it must have been because it was, it was a uh, full four summers ago. Yeah. So I was already a year ahead of yes. you and my conversations with my parents and my family was a clusterfuck and we've since all made amends and gotten to the other side of it, but it was horrible and so painful emotionally yelling and threatening and money and entanglement and advice and it was just um it was a gift and a blessing because I ended up finding out that I needed my own approval for what I was doing but I remember specifically telling you do not let your family dictate how you're doing your divorce because you are going to be emotionally exhausted enough and you do not need any other cooks in the kitchen. So tell yeah. everyone what so, you said to your parents. So I think that's actually, I think that you don't want any other cooks in the kitchen is what you said to me. And you also said to me, don't tell anyone that does like, that's not like your closest confidant because you don't need like the whole peanut gallery. You and know? everyone's going to come to you with their own shit. So like the people I had in my life, I had some people that were amazing and supportive and were like, I love you no matter what. And then I had people that were like, you can't do this to your kids and this is wrong. And they were giving me their own stuff. Yeah. They or their own parents' divorce story. Right. Their divorce story. Right. So, so what I did was, um, you know, Jeff and I decided on at our dinner, our divorce dinner date or whatever <laughs> it was, we decided we were not going to tell anybody we were going to handle this completely privately because the way we were going to do it was different and we um were committing to that i'm we so proud of you guys and so i told my parents this i said i'm gonna tell you something Wait, you take them for a walk right i take my parents for a walk yeah and like you know this is kind of in retrospect like maybe jeff wouldn't have come on that drive like i don't know we, we i think still, you did a great job we didn't know Wait, right? let me just back up i went on a road trip from cleveland ohio to florida and back with my 
ex-husband and my three kids because we had planned the vacation before we made the decision to get a divorce oh. kids were so excited about it so we went on a road trip while we were in the legal process not like yours of a divorce looking at each other's phones bringing our divorce documents fighting in the other room like i, I can tell you that your four-hour trip was perfect it was fine right oh my god that's so funny so so i take my parents on a walk and i said to them i'm gonna tell you something but just so you know i already have it handled which like not exactly true but like in my mind at the time i i knew but you're, like an you, you're an but adult you're an grown up yeah i said i do not want any comment at all and i said there's only and this i'm sure i got from you there's only one side to this divorce and it's georgia and pearl that's my children oh so beautiful and that's it and we're gonna work this out but like i want you know it's my parents like i don't I, I want them to be, I want them to know because I am going to need some sort of, like, I'm going to need someone to know what I'm going through. And then I told maybe like two girlfriends. Wait, so pause. I, How do you think your parents took that? You know, they, they, my parents are, they are amazing. They were like, everyone thinks it's going to be okay. And it's not. They were very, very worried. So they did they were, comment. Oh, yes. But, of course you know, they did. I had, I set the, by saying and setting a boundary, it's almost like I'm accepting it. And what you started along that process, which by the way, if anyone is listening to that and they have not talked to their family, Nikki's example is so beautiful. It's not gonna always be met with widespread approval, but you are setting a boundary of, this is what, this is what we're doing and this is how we're doing it. And what I need from you is support and kindness and love and what, I don't need are your opinions and your thoughts about all this. And that's uncomfortable for parents, but that's not our business and how they're uncomfortable about it. But it becomes an issue because everyone's got feelings. Again, we can't take care of everyone's feelings. And so I think what it does for you and for others is it sets up the new standard of as we're going about this, we are going to do things that on the outside do not look like they make sense to you, but they make sense to me and Jeff because our kids are a priority. Yeah, and that's why I also didn't get an attorney involved. So, so smart. I mean, I like, it's, it's, it could be a very foolish idea to not get an attorney involved if you have a litigious situation at all. Um, well, you, you can't, know. you can't mediate if you, if you, two people don't, it's not possible. Mediation not possible. will only work when two people have the same goal and they're willing to work through it together with a mediator. It's not yep. possible. It's not possible. So tell me how you guys want to, uh, about the legal aspect of it. Yeah. So we talked about what we were going to do and it was mostly like how I rolled out our finances. I mean, I was in a really fortunate situation that I know a lot of people aren't in where like I could, my goal was freedom and to be a good parent to my kids and have Jeff be a good parent to my kids, our kids. So with the goal of freedom in mind, I said, I did not, and I, and working, being a professional person, I said, I do not want money from Jeff because I didn't need it. Um, and it doesn't mean I'm living this fancy lifestyle. I, I'm not, I, but I'm living a free lifestyle, which is really exactly what success means to me. Yeah. Um, and then I also, so finances were not going to be an issue we were, I was very, very fair with him about it. I wanted to make sure he was always taken care of. And I felt comfortable making decisions based about finances that probably an attorney would have said, absolutely not. Right, that's stupid, However, Nikki, don't do that. Yeah, that's stupid, Nikki. So many people would have said that to me. However, if I had used an attorney, it would have taken up a huge chunk of that money anyway. So like, I'd rather not fight about that because I felt confident in my earning power and I felt confident that I just want to be free. And I, and I also didn't want to put this pressure on this man who was feeling so depressed about career and all this stuff. I'm like, that's not going to make him a happy person either. So, you know, we each go earn and our own money. Kids need a happy father. So yes. you considering that when we have parents that want to make the other parent miserable, what that's doing is it's making, it's shooting yourself in the foot because you're making your children's other parent miserable. Yep. And, and we were really, going to be able to separate that misery no. from their parenting your children. And I knew that, um, the housing stuff would be in uh, fear, would create fear for him. 
Um, and I felt, you know, and this might be foolish, but I just felt really confident that I'd be able to work it out. Um, and then I don't also, think that's foolish. I think that's awesome. So but I, we did. Yeah. So what we did was we, and we were also very fortunate because we had a rental property five miles from our house that was being rented because when we moved from that, that condo to the house we bought now, I mean, and this was years before I never wanted to sell it because I felt like let's rent it out and get a smaller house instead of selling it and trying to buy this big house. I just always, I don't need big and fancy. Yeah. I mean, I live a very nice, comfortable life. So we kept it. What, what I, I was very, very concerned about how my children would do going back and forth. I mean, I think that that's probably one of the, the big things that is hard for a lot of people that I've spoken to, like thinking about what that looks like for the kids. So we had the tenants when their lease was up, we just told them we're not renewing. And what we did was we went back and forth from our family home to the rental when we were not with the kids. You nested. The rental, we nested. Yeah. We nested. So your kids lived in their home. You and Jeff lived in the rental when you weren't with the kids. Yep. And we did that for a year. Um, and How'd that go? You know, it, it was funny. I mean, I think back on that moment of my life and, and it wasn't that long ago. And it's, you know, so first of all, I had lived in that other place when I was young and like we had just been married and it's a really cool neighborhood. And like now all of a sudden I'm like, you know, 39 or 38 years old and I'm back there. Yeah. It's bizarre. But it was a cool opportunity to buy time for us to 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 see what it felt like to spend half our time with the kids to work that out and it was also big enough where we weren't like in the same bedroom when yes. we were there like you know we each had our own room. You didn't have to change um, the sheets and sleep in his bed. No, we didn't have to do that. And and what ended up happening was like he met his girlfriend eventually. Um, I met while you were nesting. Yes. While we were nesting, we each had relationships. And so what was interesting was that like these other people now are like in and out of our lives in our nesting or at like our, I, I mean, I never had a partner come to our family home and stay over. That was not something I was comfortable with or would have been. Um, I can't remember, to be honest. Okay. I just can't remember. Um, I, I've always been really slow with my kids and partner, um, but um, he, my ex-husband has not been. Like, okay, tell us, tell us the story. This is pretty freaking amazing. So tell us the story of Jeff and his new partner. His new partner. So they met, and um, she's a lovely person, and, um, you know. You uh, told me. You called me. You're like, she's perfect for him. She's, she's awesome. She's energetic. She's a goat getter. She's yeah. spiritual. But you know, yeah, you had nothing but nice things to say. I have, and I still have nothing but nice things to say. But when they met, they started um, really fast with the kids, and that's you know everybody makes their own decision. So you, on it. Did you and Jeff have a discussion about that beforehand? So we didn't have a discussion before they met her, but we had a discussion during our mediation about what our rules were around other partners. I can't even remember what it was, like what our rule was, because it's like now it just doesn't matter. I mean, he's, right. but, um, but the way it went was like they moved super fast. My kids were really into it. And then one day they came home from a trip that I was on with them and her stuff was all there. Now they say like she wasn't moved in at the time. However, my kids took it as she moved in and then they went, one of them went bananas and was having so a really wait, So Jeff's partner brought her stuff to like, did you guys have separate bedrooms at your house that you live in together? Oh, so sorry. So this is. After a year of nesting. Oh, you, you I, separate. We, yeah. So after a year of nesting, I could feel that it was time yeah. to stop because what was happening was, was no one was taking care or ownership of the responsibility of the family home. So it was like, I'd buy groceries, but then I'd be gone for three days and like, I'd come back and you know, there was two it's, different sets of rules at the same time. It's not house. a good thing. I'm not I'm like, ugh. I, I'm the only thing I recommend nesting is for people who are in trial separations, um, just so they can see if they want to, to be divorced. Um, yeah. But I would not personally ever nest for anything longer than should we get a divorce. Yeah, I agree with that. Extremely, it, it's it's whatever. I can't even. So tell me it, about it. So takes you, any you logistics you have and multiplies. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, what, so, what, 
So when we decided to end the nesting, um, I wasn't sure how that was gonna, like how we would do that, but I ended up finding a house um, that I really liked. And I was like, you know, I was kind of looking with like one eye open. It's like a really tricky real estate market. Um, but I found something perfect for me and my kids. And so, and it was seven minutes from his house, which was really important to me. Huge. Yeah. So I bought it, sold the rental property. And I, I knew the whole time that he was going to be the person that stayed in the family home. It was important to him. So that was fine with me. So he, we end up moving into separate houses and then like a few weeks or months later, I don't remember. The you're on a time. trip with the girls. They come back to his house and to his house. The, his girlfriends moved in basically, or it yeah, feels her, like it. It feels like it to the kids. And so the kids were really upset. Um, my little one is kind of like go with the flow. She, I, she's little. Um, my older one was very, very upset. And then, you know, part of the divorce stuff is like, learning that he needs to handle what's going on at his oh house. Oh my God. I remember this, Nikki. You oh. would spend so much of your time when you were not with your kids trying to manage the drama and the challenges at his house. And I want everyone to hear because you've definitely walked through this. When there's stuff happening at their other parents' house, you want, it's a hard balance. You want the kids to be able to reach out to you because you want them to always feel safe to reach out to you but you also want to encourage them that you trust that their other parent is capable of helping them and you're not getting in between that because that is codependent, it is micromanaging, it's gonna blow up in your face and it's an opportunity for your kids and their other parent to grow together. Yeah, and there's almost what I found because I did it for a long time and I was in this like, circus drama and it wasn't my circus was that there was very little I could do in that moment that wasn't undermining even though I didn't mean it to be undermining even though it was like under the guise of there's nothing the you could intention. do no uh, under the true intention to be helpful it was always going to be undermining if I was now sorting through what was going on at his house and then it's like the whole point is like I want to be divorced to stop fighting I don't yeah. want to be fighting about what's going on at your house when I'm like divorced. So they ended up, you know, it, it didn't, didn't go well. There was a lot of drama for over a year. And then, um, and during this drama, are you connecting with his new partner? Yeah. So, you know, I've always been really welcoming and in touch. And I decided when I got divorced, part of that whole, like, I'm not going to fight about money was another thing. And I don't remember, um, if it was you that encouraged me, but whoever he dates, I'm going to embrace. And so at first I was like, I don't know if I like really like her or if I've like brainwashed myself to like, like anyone he dates, but like, I'm going to embrace her because the truth is, is I get no say in that. So it's either like, I'm going to fight it and like try to be right about something that I have no control over, or I'm just going to be like, okay, I trust you to choose a good partner. And, and yeah. that's what I want. And I, and so he did choose a good partner. However, the way they both de dealt with a lot of the stuff that happened over the next year was was not how I would do it. I'm not saying I would know how to do it if I was in a relationship that wanted to move forward in that way. So tell me what happened. Did so, surprise? Yeah, so so we end up getting, you know, things are starting to work out. Um, we end up getting a dog together to go back and forth with the kids. I, I'm just going to say clearly here, I do not recommend that to anybody. I don't um, either. We have a dog from the marriage that goes back and forth, but I would never get a new project with my ex. No, it's like, it's not the time to like start buying real estate together and getting a dog together and creating more ties, but right. that's okay. You know, lesson learned and I'm madly in love with the dog. Yep. So, um, but we get a dog. And then it turns out that my ex-husband is having a baby. Now, mind you, they're not all living in the same house. My 12-year-old, who at that point was, you know, uh, 10 or 11, is furious. And <laughs> that she's going to be a, a big sister again? He says she's going to be a big sister again. And, you know, she just was going through her own stuff. I mean, getting a divorce, no matter how nice and pleasant the parents try to make it, the kids are going to have their own feelings and emotions through it. And that's actually been a very good thing in our house. Like there's a lot of bubble that happens in our lifestyle here. So having, dealing with some um, 
bumps in the road or things that we didn't expect, I think actually makes strength in our, in yes. our children and in and ourselves. I want people to hear that, like, it's okay to fall down and have mistakes and mess up. But what I want the listeners to know that you're not going to tell them is Nikki handled this with such dignity and grace. Her ex-husband was expecting a new baby and it could have been contentious. And instead she encouraged and supported and celebrated and welcomed and helped the really challenging transition between your oldest yeah. daughter and her new sister. And, you know, long story short, tell us how it is today. Yeah. So now, I mean, it, it was like a, it could be a whole other podcast to go yeah. through how that worked out. As but, it should you know, be, as it should be, because <laughs> it's really important. Seriously. So yeah. yeah. But tell and me how it is today. Has that happened? Let me know. Um, cause I was truly okay with it. Like I didn't feel bad about it. I just felt, um, I just felt that, uh, you know, I wanted my daughter to be okay with it and I wanted the baby and everyone to feel fine. So, um, Right. So after the baby was born, they still weren't living together. And what I would do is every time I dropped her off, I would just go in and play with the baby. And eventually, you know, within weeks, she came in and played with the baby. And it's impossible not to fall in love with a really adorable baby, especially yeah. one that's going to like worship you for the rest of your life. And that baby is half of what your children are. Because yeah, she's, she's their half sister. Right. I mean, she's their sister. But like what for you as the mother, when you look at that baby, that is that baby's got the exact half of what your children have. The exact. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I love her very much. I think she's a very sweet baby. And so the, the challenges there were really like how to blend our family. And, you know, there's problems that come up because now there's a newborn in the house or almost one year old and, you know, it's nanny sharing, how to deal with that, how to, um, not get our, you know, how to deal with expenses, even though we don't have alimony or child support, we, you know, we still share expenses such as a nanny. And now there's a third per baby, <laughs> a third kid involved. So figuring out all of that, especially um, through this year of the pandemic has been really interesting. But I will say the best decisions were for me were to use a mediator. Mm -hmm. And to not fight about finances. Uh, and then to embrace whoever it is the person's dating. And, and try to really mean it until you do. So I love you so much for that. I have one more question because me and you could talk forever. So something that Nikki and I are always saying to each other is 17 miles. And I want you to explain to listeners what that means. Yeah. So 17 miles. And I, I, I love that. And we, we, it's funny, something came up today on the internet that was from five years ago and it says 17 miles. So I don't even know when we started that, but it's 17 miles. If it takes you 17 miles to get into the woods, it's going to take you that long to get out. And, you know, this whole divorce has been, I think one of the proudest things I've ever done because Me I too. was really afraid. Like I was afraid that it was different. It was not what I was supposed to do. And I was very into checking boxes. Yes. And I was very into this blueprint of what my life was going to look like. And it's basically like crumbling up the blueprint and throwing it away and being like, we're going to go figure this out our own way. Um, but I'm very, very proud of how I handled it. I'm grateful for how my ex has handled it. And I'm grateful for my kids experience with it. Carly and I were talking I don't know when it was like last week or whatever. We talk all the time, but, um, I said, I'm sure I'm going to be fucking up my kids in some way. I just don't yes. want to be from the divorce. Yes. Nikki, you know? thank you for bringing that up. So two things, the 17 miles is basically what in your corner divorce coaching is about. So when I coach clients, it's not like, welcome, you're going to be awesome. It's welcome. Get ready. We are going to work our asses off. So it's going to take, it took you this long to get into this mess and it's going to take you this long to get out of it. Yeah. And then the other thing you were saying is I want people to understand is we are going to mess up our kids because there is no generation of parents that doesn't mess up their kids. Most likely my guess is it's going to have to do with digital because it's insane. No oh, parents yeah. ever done this. Right. But I want to not mess up my kids because of my divorce. My divorce is my emotional, personal stuff, adult marital stuff. And my divorce does not have to have anything to do with my kids other than how can we best serve them while they have to be thrust into a situation where now their parents are no longer in the same house. 
So we have the power to not mess them up because of our divorce, but we're going to mess them up for other reasons, but we can control this one. Yeah. And, and I think it's so important too. I don't want my kids to be looking back in 30 years and be like, they made me pick sides. I felt bad about going to my dad's house or bad about going to my mom's house because they didn't, my dad didn't like them. Like, as far as I'm concerned, my kids obviously know there's like the usual amount of tension in any family, but it's not uh, magnified because of a divorce. If anything, their life is way like, and I mean, way by multiples more peaceful than it was when we were same. under the same roof. Same. Our children yeah. are not going to have to fill out the adult child of divorce anonymous questionnaire that I sent out and check the boxes. My parents could not be in the same room. My parents could not stand each other. My parents talked horribly about each other. My parents wouldn't come to any of my events if they were in this, in the other. We have that control. That is a hundred percent our control. And even if you don't have a willing partner on the other end to do that, you get to do it. You, yes. get, to you get to do it. I love yeah. you so much. I love you too. Thank you. You've helped I me I could forever. talk to you for the rest of my life. 17 miles. We, we will. For any listeners who would like to go deeper into my story, check out my memoir, Seconds and Inches, available in paperback, audio, or digital on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and IndieBound. Remember, we get to write this next chapter for our kids, for ourselves, and for the world around us. Have a great day.